Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of the show for the regular season. It is no year enemy from the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts, part of SB Nation. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I am not Jeffrey Benedict. I have a lot more hair and I'm a lot more manic. Our host is off tonight, so I'm going to go ahead and sit in. And this is a show that I'm thrilled to be sitting in with. Shannon White, as always, he's my guy on Monday nights. Good to be with you once again, Shannon. What is going on? Great to see everyone, and and I'm glad you're hosting with me tonight. It seems like I just seen you Monday. Yeah, you see me all the time. We, <laughs> if it's Labor Day, we're hanging out together. We're doing. I have yet to see you in person, and uh, to give you a big old bear hug. But we've been doing this for a while together, so this is a lot of fun. And special guest tonight, and. I am thrilled to have Frank LaPlaca. I hope I pronounced that right from the unofficial Bengals podcast. I had a teacher, one of my greatest teachers from 1985 in middle school was a Mr. LaPlaca. So I don't know if that, uh, I don't think that's you, but it's good to see you. Well, yeah, Brian, it was actually, you were a very good student back then. Unfortunately, you misbehaved a lot, and you you were a Steeler fan, so that's why we made you sit in the back of the class. <laughs> uh, legendary. Frank is the host of the unofficial Bengals podcast, celebrating this week their 100th episode. It is a fantastic podcast. I had a chance to go ahead and listen to the show, and I have uh, trying to arm me with so many things so I can talk Bengals, and there's so many things we're going to talk about. Frank and I met on a podcast about a month ago. It was an AFC North roundtable hosted by Giants fans. It was a blast. I thought it was going to be like a 30-minute show. We were on for over two hours, and I I had a great respect for all three of those guys. So uh, hopefully to see all of them on this show, Know Your Enemy, because you know what Know Your Enemy is about. I know it's a great Green Day song, but I'd love to get the rights to that music. I wonder if I can, but YouTube will kick me off and they won't monetize us. But here's the deal. We get to know, we know the Steelers. We know what we think we know about this week one opponent, the Cincinnati Bengals. But who's going to know them better than Frank and the Unofficials Bengal podcast? So that's what we do every single week. If you represent a team and you want to come on and hang out with us, feel free. So Frank, once again, the rivalry starts. And this is great because in the history of the Steelers and Bengals, never happened. Never a week one matchup with Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts on that? I'll tell you, man, It that's a big game to start out versus each other for a divisional matchup. It's, you know, people say, oh, it's week one. It doesn't matter. But this is going to have big implications later on. You know, I'm, I'm predicting us to have double digit wins. I know you, Shannon and Steeler Nation, are probably predicting something similar for you, even though it's a semi-transitional year. So this game could be huge on who's going to win the division, who's going to be the wild card team. So, um, yeah, thrilling. Like, I, I wait months and months for opening day of the NFL season to come. And when the NFL season comes, I can't wait for Steelers week. And now they both happen on the same day. This is just incredible. I'm looking forward to it. And it's a huge game. That's that's fantastic because, you know, as Steeler fans, we have that. I mean, we have that rivalry with three teams and it is very strong. This has become a very strong rivalry and probably one of the most interesting rivalries, I would say, of the last 40 years when the Bengals started putting it together in 1980 
1981. I just, I've been watching old broadcasts of games and I watched the 17 to 16 game in 1980 when the Bengals beat the Steelers in <laughs> on a Matt Barr missed field goal. So I just watched that and the rivalry was strong then. There were some great names back then. We, we all know about the uh, the infamous names back in the uh, back in the uh, late '90s and the uh, early 2000s, and the rivalry's coming around again. And it's interesting because it's going to feature one quarterback, and the Steelers have a quarterback in waiting that they've been accused of one thing that they have in common, and it's the most ridiculous thing. How glad are you to hear that there's another quarterback that they're saying, hey, you can't do anything because he's got small hands? Man, that's what they said about Joe Burrow. And, you know, yep. I was really hoping when I saw Kenny Pickett in preseason, you know, obviously we're enemies. I mean, we're all friends here for real. You know, we all love the game of football. But, you know, when I wear the orange and you wear the the yellow, we're, we're enemies. But really gold, for the gold, pre- gold, 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 gold. You're right, golden black. So yeah, I can't even give you that respect. I don't know. I'm just. It's it's a shame that we can't connect on that. But Wiz um, Khalifa yeah, just, killed it for us. He's a Steelers uh, fan, and we put out that song, and we were dead in the water. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, in preseason, I was really rooting for him to have a hard time, and he excelled. And yeah, small hands. That's what they said about Burrow, and look what he's done. And Pickett, I know he's fin- facing vanilla defenses, as they say, and second and third teamers. That's the whole big knock on not doing well in the preseason but you can see with certain players when the light is on the light is on and damn it unfortunately the light is on for Kenny Pickett for us Bengal fans so I know he's not going to start week one I expect him sometime in in this season and you guys might have a quarterback there I guess we'll see when the bullets really start flying but the early returns on your guy are very good the small hands when it happened two years ago and there was no Kenny Pickett in the equation, was that just lip service to say that there's nothing wrong with Joe Burrow? Yeah, I think I think the national media needs to find a, a pro and a con. So when a guy has a ton of pros, they have to find some kind of deficiency. And with Joe Burrow, I guess that was the most obvious thing. Same thing with Kenny Pickett. And that's that's what they rode. But, you know, once if you see these guys playing games and be able to run an offense and read a defense – that stuff really doesn't matter. I mean, I'm hoping that Pickett comes in and the small hands matter in his case and he has a ton of fumbles. <laughs> but I don't know. You know, you guys would know better than me because you, you have seen every snap of his from preseason. It's really odd because we have not seen an interception or really a fumble from any of the three quarterbacks in Pittsburgh. Shannon White, you know, they we look for things to rip on this guy for. And the only thing that comes up is this guy is way too hot. Shannon, what are your thoughts on the comparisons between the hands of Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett? And do you think that Kenny Pickett could be a Joe Burrow someday? Well, when Burrow's come out, um, you know, I said from the beginning, you, know, you can tell he had the it factor. The you just super cool, uh, under control, uh, leadership. You know, when you believe in you, others can believe in you. And that's something that I think a lot of times is overlooked at the quarterback position. You know, if you look rattled or you, you know, you're, you're showing some nerves there, you know, your teammates can see that and they feed off that. So um, that's who Pickett reminds me of. We've talked about it before. You know, he's, he's nowhere near Burroughs level yet, 
but he does remind me of Burrow in the, his ability to process, uh, to go through his progression so quickly, to get the ball out and be so accurate. You know, it's one thing to hit a guy, another thing to hit him in stride where he can do something with it. But, uh, yeah, if of all the young quarterbacks, you know, we've I've said before that Burrow reminds me uh, in his build and his makeup, mental makeup of Joe Montana. And that's exactly who uh, Pickett reminds me of as well. Now, Burrow, you know, it looks like he's on his way, but, you know, hopefully Pickett can follow in those same footsteps. Frank, I'm going to ask both you and Shannon this, but I'm looking for a one-name answer, and who is the best quarterback in the AFC North? Frank, I'll start with you. Obviously, Joe Burrow. I mean, how could I say anything else? And I mean, there's case history behind that. He comes off a knee injury, a, a really devastating knee injury, and is a second-year player behind a really bad offensive line. You guys know that. And he goes to the Super Bowl. I mean, I, I can I can rattle off all his attributes and, and whatnot, but I'm not going to ramble on. The Steeler fans do not want to hear that. But just think about that on that level. A knee torn in multiple places, a really bad offensive line, and wills them to the Super Bowl. That's all I got on that. Shannon White, best quarterback in the AFC North. No, that's Joe Burrow, easy. All right, I'm going to go ahead and – Frank, you've already heard me say this. It's Joe Burrow. And I, I will say that right now. I hope it's not for long, but I, I look at what's else in the division. And, you know, that includes, you know, one quarterback that's not playing, and it's Deshaun Watson. And that includes, for me, that includes all the guys on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, my answer, if you remember my answer when this question was asked to me, on the podcast we were on, I said Mason Rudolph to try to be funny. <laughs> but no, Joe Burrow is definitely the guy in that division. And after just three years, yeah. And as other fans, we could we can really respect that because we saw it happen with Ben Roethlisberger right away. Yeah. And Ben Roethlisberger became that guy right away in, in 2005. You knew it was happening. And, but then again, you were Jake DeLome was in the division at the time. And uh, gosh, I, I think I, I think Bowler was in the division at the time, too. So, so a lot more competition for Joe Burrow. But we're taught we talked about the small hands thing. And that's just a weakness that people want to want to say. I want to ask you this, Frank, what's the weakness of your team, the Cincinnati Bengals going into the 2022 season? Well, you know, it's still going to be the offensive line because if you really look at all of our position groups last year, we're pretty deep. You know, as the Steelers are most years, I, I've seen years where you guys were just deep everywhere that you couldn't even find a weakness. But obviously the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line last year was, I mean, I, I was so upset after the Super Bowl. I was like, these guys do not deserve a paycheck. I want to see a couple of them waved. It, it, it got to that level where I felt that the play was so subpar. And especially being in a Super Bowl, it's like just – I know you're facing Aaron Donald and Miller and Leonard Floyd and all those guys, but yet you can't just stand up for one game and pick it up, and they couldn't do it. So this year we move on. We picked up three new offensive linemen in free agency who all have a chance to be very good players for us. But if, if there's injuries there or these guys aren't available – we're going to be plugging in some of those same guys as last year. So even though on paper it looks like we fixed the offensive line, it's like 
this close to being another disaster. So that is the biggest weakness of the Cincinnati Bengals right now. Well, you have Ted Karras in there at center. Uh, am I am I correct that he is starting at center? Yes. And that's a guy with uh, not just Super Bowl experience. He had an uncle that was on the show Webster. It's Alex Karras's <laughs> uh, uncle, as far as I'm concerned. And that's that's TV royalty for me. If you know anything about me, it's pop culture. And you're on Webster, you're good. And you punch out a horse in Blazing Saddles. That that That's in the genes somewhere. That might not be your dad, but your uncle, you've got the genes. So, no, that's a tough player. He's always been that blue-collar, really cool player on the line for the for the Patriots and for the Miami Dolphins. So I, I think that's a really good signing there. And Leal Collins, can't say enough about. But my question is, there's a guy that the Cincinnati Bengals took second last season, and Mr. Jackson Carmen, why is he not starting? What am I missing here? I'll tell you, it, it's hard to have some guys on the team that you, you kind of don't root for. And I guess he's kind of earned that over the last year or two. I know he's had some off-the-field stuff. I don't like to really talk about that kind of thing. But um, I think it's been a little bit of work ethic and a little bit of immaturity. He came in last year overweight in training camp. And then when I looked at some plays, you know, when, when I, I analyze the offensive line, when I break down the games of the Bengals to talk about on the podcast, and there's a lot of plays where – he gets overpowered, A. He misses stunts. He misses exotic blitzes. So there's some vulnerabilities there. But I saw what I would say is a, a little bit of a question with hustle. You know, there's times where I'm like, wait, Joe Burrow's getting attacked right now. Why are you just standing there? And I, I feel that I feel that all those factors come into play. I really think it was an immaturity and a lack of hustle, which I guess follows immaturity. And I think that's what's hurting him most. And I think they might have reached for him. He was a left tackle in college. They threw him at right guard last year. They tried to force him in at left guard this year. And you know what? Not all your draft picks work out all the time. Second rounder, you know, Clemson, Lawrence's backside guy. I don't know if he's going to be the answer. And, you know, they have a rookie that they're going to plug in at least against you guys. And we're going to see where it goes from there. But, yeah, Brian, you're right. I mean, Jackson Carmen, as of now, bust. And as of now, not really a fan favorite in Cincinnati. Shannon, what questions do you have about the offense of the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, I've been waiting to ask Frank this question because you mentioned earlier, man, uh, you was talking about rivalry. Now, in my opinion, during Ben's career, this really wasn't a rivalry because Ben pretty much owned the Bengals and the Browns. And to have a rivalry, there's got to be competition. Now, there was hatred between the players, uh, and more so than the fans, is that those players did not like each other, whether it Burfett or Pac-Man Jones or whoever it may be, Hushmanzada. There was a lot of guys that just didn't like the Steelers. And I said last year, uh, well, I said it in 2020, when they played them on, I think it was a Monday night, in Cincinnati and the oh. Steelers had started out 11 and 0 and they were really struggling to do anything on offense. And, you know, that's what Juju went out, danced to midfield and the Beagles come out and smacked them in the mouth. That was three games ago. Every game, the Bengals have smacked the Steelers in the mouth. They've been more physical. They have bullied them. They've been dominant. So I, I think that it really wasn't a rivalry. 
And now it's not a rivalry because the Steelers have not been competitive in any of the last three games. You being a Bengals fan, what is your perspective? Do you feel that seismic shift in momentum that the Bengals are ascending? They have their franchise quarterback. They have everything that the Steelers used to have with Roethlisberger. And now they have owned the Steelers three games in a row. And I said, if something doesn't happen this year to stop it, this could get to be a trend. Well, Shannon, I, I actually hope you're right. And, you know, the reality is we, us as Bengal fans, always felt it was a rivalry with you guys. But you guys were like, ah, they're they're just the little brothers. We're more worried about the Ravens. And that was true. And that's how it was portrayed in the media. And I was always like, no, we, the Bengals and the Steelers hate each other. But you're right. I mean, Ben did own us. If you look at his career record against us, I don't know. It's got to be over 600 winning percentage. I mean, he, you guys annihilated us for a long time. And the, unfortunately, I hate to say this. I'm giving you guys credit. It makes me so mad. But the Pittsburgh, <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers have really put an end to the Bengals' dreams on, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't go chronicle the list but probably like seven or eight different seasons not not just you guys winning the division but you guys specifically being responsible for us not moving on and 05 I thought was our year and look it that was your year 15 I thought that was our year and obviously we had that whole craziness in the playoffs and you guys moved on so I think that the Shannon just to go back to your point I think that the NFL is cyclical in this manner because if you're at the bottom for a long time, you start getting a lot of high draft picks. And you mm -hmm. see that, obviously, the Bengals, that has now come into fruition. And you see that even, you know, like the Browns are actually a pretty talented roster, and that was from them picking low for so long. And, you know, maybe mm -hmm. look out for the Jags and the Lions in the future. When we hear those teams team names, you know, if you see them on your schedule, Jaguars, oh, that's a win. Lions, oh, that's a win. But, you know, that might change over time when, when these teams are constantly picking high. So right now, because of us picking high for so long and the Joe Burrow effect and getting lucky with Jamar Chase, yeah, we're, we're the top dog now, but it's still a rivalry. We're still, unfortunately, I, I don't want to say fearful, but I guess we're very wary of the Steelers because even last year, Ben – with that elbow couldn't even throw anymore. I was watching games and I'm like, this guy cannot throw down the field. And I wanted defenses to really stack up against that. And you guys still were this close to winning the division. So even though we're up right now and you guys might not be to our level, Oh God, the fans are going to kill me for that one. But yeah, <laughs> there's a very, very big rivalry, at least in the Bengals fans mind with the Steelers. Now it's just the case of the big brother, saying, you know what, little brother? Yeah, you can kick my butt. Now, you know what? I'll actually back you up on that. I, I think these teams are at two different levels right now at this point because the Bengals have had a chance, like you said, pick low and build that that team, but they also built a culture with it. The Steelers, the culture is never going to go away. So um, with all due respect to Shannon, I kind of think it's a rivalry. But I exactly – I see what you're saying, my my broadcast partner there. I understand that. Um, and I agree with Shannon to the point where, yeah, the Bengals have been kicking the Steelers' butts the last three games. Ryan Finley ruined my Christmas in 2020. <laughs> I will say that. I'll, I'll just sit there. I was like, oh. But you brought up 2005, and I'm not trying to open old wounds, but I got to ask you because one of the classiest guys to ever wear both – a Cincinnati Bengals uniform and a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform, if you ask me, 
is Kimo von Olhoffen. What what are the feelings on Kimo von Olhoffen? I'll guarantee you most of the people on this side will say that was a clean hit. Just 100% transparency. What do you think? Was it a clean hit? Well, you know, when he was a Bengal, he was definitely likable. And I don't know, because it was like 15 years since we made the playoffs before that game. Like, that was like a dream for me, that having that day. Like, you guys, playoffs every year, whatever. But, I mean, that was like one of the biggest days of my life up to that point, aside from the Super Bowls. And then, so, yeah, we we look at it as dirty. I, I don't know. Like, I guess if, if the three of us watched it right now and analyzed every inch of his movement, we could make a, a legitimate decision on it. But I don't know. I think he, he got knocked to the ground and he kind of just rolled into his legs and just went for it. I guess almost any player would have done the same. But Brian, if you're asking me to say black or white in this case, I'm going to say dirty hit. Okay. I, I'm cool with that. I, I definitely, because I know that we can go back to, uh, we can go back to uh, the perfect days <laughs> and, and uh, you know, he is, he will always be public enemy number one, as far as uh, the Steelers Bengals go. I've, I've seen his name pop up in the live chat. I don't think there will. Shannon, do you think there's ever going to be another public enemy number one than Vontez perfect? No, I, I can't imagine. He just, you know, so many times, whether it was horse collar, you know, he took bell out for two playoffs or a season in the playoffs um, you know, the hit on Brown, you know, where the Steelers had a real shot to win the next week without their top two offensive skill position players. Uh, you know, the, the Beagles have taken from the Steelers as well. So, <laughs> But here's the thing, and I will say this, and the, the part about being a fan and with teams like this, when you're very, really passionate about this team, you look at some of these players and you realize that, if Joey Porter was never wearing black and gold or James Harrison was never black and wearing black and gold, Heinz Ward never wore black and gold, we would hate those guys. I have a feeling we would. So that's that's kind of where we got kind of have to draw that line and respect your respect your comment on chemo von Olafen. So I understand that completely. I'm sure Sherry Richards says, ask Keith Rivers about Heinz Ward. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> And I tell you what, if I was a Bengals <laughs> fan, if I was a Bengals fan, I understand. I get it. I, I he, definitely. His career was never. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Brian. His career was never, never really. the same after that hit. So no. she is she is totally on target. And I mean, there's a history of this going back and forth if you look at it. And I don't want to hijack the show, but I mean, Kevin Huber jaw broken. Um, yeah, the hit on Rivers broke his jaw. We had Shazier with the. Even me as a Bengal fan, I I froze and I was like. I didn't even know what to do. And that's off the leg, the thigh of Tyler Croft. I mean, there's just been a history of it. And yes, Vontez Perfect, I know that's a popular hated guy for you guys. And that was our, like our Ray Lewis. And I, yeah, he was dirty, of course. We all know it. And I don't think that Antonio Brown was the same after that hit. I think, no. and I, I don't want to hop on the CTE train, you know, without having the full knowledge of it, but I almost feel like that propelled him in that direction, specifically that hit. And then, I mean, you guys got your revenge on him too with the juju hit. Like the way I equate the juju hit is like you're you're going to the to the schoolyard with the toughest guy you know who's going to be like, yeah, you know, he'll kick anybody's butt here. And then you see some guy lay out 
who's supposed to be like the tough guy bully. It was crazy when Juju hit him like that. And that was a concussion for Burfitt. And DeCastro gave another concussion to Burfitt. I Actually, I've, I've counted. I believe that there was three different concussions that Vontez Burfitt had due to Steelers. So <laughs> I, as much as you guys That's feel true. he's public enemy number one, and he did, yes, he did damage Le'Veon Bell, and he did damage Antonio Brown. But, I mean, you guys stacked up at least three concussions on that guy. So, I mean, it's a crazy game. That's a war, and you're seeing, you know, everybody get hurt. I mean, you guys took out A.J. Green before a playoff game with a concussion. You took out Gio, Gio Bernard in the 15 playoff game with a concussion. So there's been a lot of back and forth, and obviously that's why there's a lot of hatred between these two franchises. I, I can honestly say that. Um, one thing that I will say, let, let me bring this up. It's a super chat. Sean Manahan pays $2. And, you know, Shannon, I missed a Sean Manahan uh, $2 one just maybe a month ago. So I want to apologize to Sean for missing that one. So I'll give you a free one, anything you want to put up there. Perfect ruined AB's career. And, you know, Frank just basically said that. And I really feel that that happened in that game. Now, I will not say that, Antonio Brown was not ornery beforehand. My gosh, you had uh, Troy Palomalu of all people wanted to kick his butt mm-hmm. um, before that happened. But that I think I think he went down a spiral, and that hit was the hit that uh, that really did it. I really think that's a team that could have won the Super Bowl that year in 2015. Uh, there were way too many injuries though, but still, gosh, one of the most amazing games that I ever watched because I never expected the Bengals to come back with AJ McCarron. And then what happened in the end, my, how my wife fell asleep. We were having a party. She fell asleep and slept through the whole thing of us cheering. <laughs> I don't know how that happened, but it, it was late for her. But anyways, just, yeah, you're right. It's a slobber knocker every single time that these guys play. It's going to be really interesting again. And there is, there's not a lot of, Shannon, would you agree that there's just not a lot of optimism this week going into week one against Cincinnati? Yeah, I think it's because nobody knows what to expect. I mean, this is the first time really definitely to begin a season since Ben's rookie year that the Steelers really have questions at the quarterback position. Um, You know, all three guys look good in the preseason. So, uh, I think especially the way the Steelers line is constructed right now. I know that you was talking about the Bengals line, but the Bengals line looks like all pro level compared to what the Steelers line looks like right now. And so I see where they were ranked last, projected to be last in pass pr- uh, protection uh, by one of the, I don't know if it's PFF, I can't remember who it was, but they said the Steelers had the worst uh, pass protection going into this season. And, you know, I don't know how you can argue with that because they've looked terrible in the preseason. But, um, you know, people, you want Trubisky to be successful and you want his athleticism and his mobility, uh, his ability to operate play action and uh, behind this line. But what concerns everybody, I think, is the Bengals' defense really uh, took a huge step forward last year. And you got Hendrickson and Hubbard there on the ends. Um, those guys look, you know, they're a problem. Um, one thing I wanted to ask Frank is how have, did those guys get much playing time this preseason? I didn't get to follow the Bengals much. 
Um, are, are they, you know, do they look like they did last year, which was, they were the terrible twosome, I tell you. Well, Shannon, you make a very good point. And they didn't play either one of those guys one snap in the preseason. And, you know, you can, I don't know if that's a plus or a minus. I like the fact that they kept them both healthy, but, you know, they haven't really seen the bullets fly yet. So it, you can toss the coin on, on if that's a successful strategy or not. But I'll be honest with you guys, and this is no disrespect to Coach Tomlin because he is one of the best to ever do it, for real. As much as I hate to say it, I don't know why. Brian, I don't know why you got me complimenting the Steelers. But I don't I have that effect on know. people. It's this is bad. This is bad. Don't this can't play anywhere else. No one can hear me say positive things about my Tomlin. But um but Shannon, yeah, I I I was questioning what he did in that last preseason game by having the starters. I maybe you get him out for a series or two, but he had those guys playing almost until halftime. And now, you know, we're we're looking at uh, Deontay with the shoulder thing. He might not be he might not be 100% for week 1. The hit on TJ Watt was like the Kayvon Thibodeau hit. I don't know if you guys saw that one, but that was like mm-hmm. same thing, like cutting a guy low and I was like I was like, "Coach, get your guys out of there." I mean, I was you don't root for your opponents to get hurt, but I was just like, "All right, you want to play this way, well week 1's going to be a lot easier." So there's two philosophies. You want to get your guys used to the live bullets but you want to also keep them healthy. So I don't, I think you guys had a poor balance of that by, by having your guys play too much. And I think we had a poor balance of that by not having our guys play enough. Let's talk about this weekend's game. And we, we could talk like crazy about the wide receivers wearing black and orange this week. Joe Burrow came out. What was his comment that if you're going to single coverage us, single cover us, good luck. Yes. So, yes. <laughs> so we could talk about those guys. Where do you see where do you see a weakness on the Steelers in the defensive backfield? Because the Steelers have kind of the Steelers have kind of picked it up. They don't have that number one guy like a Joe Hayden, but they brought some guys in this this year, and they're looking a lot stronger in the defensive backfield, but they also have the guy that I'm sure Cincinnati hates because they signed Minka Fitzpatrick before you had a chance to sign Jesse Bates and his contract went, went really high. <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously your safety tandem is phenomenal. And to, to me, and you guys know the team much better than I do. I don't want to seem ignorant about the Steelers, but I, I believe that Cam Sutton played a lot in the slot last year. Now you're going to move him to one of the outside corners and you're going to put Molette in the slot. So really if you want to break down this game in particular, I think that if, if we can have time for Burrow to throw, we could exploit that secondary. I think Tyler Boyd, Pittsburgh guy, is an, is an, an advantageous matchup to Mollett. And, you know, you, if Sutton is your one, and what do you have, Levi Wallace, Witherspoon, I, I don't know, those guys, I'm not positive of, of who your whole nickel and dime package is, but, you know, you're asking these guys to cover Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. So I don't know if you're going to, you probably want to zone up in some capacity because man on man, I don't know if the Steelers have no disrespect, but I don't know if those guys have what it takes to cover these three receivers, but I love your defensive line. I mean, TJ Watt 
any team would love him. He's one of the one or two best at his position. And same thing with Hayward in the middle. He's one of the top two or three in his position. And then you bring in Ogan Joby, who we know from Cincinnati. He has some background on, on our team already. So he's scary. Hi, Smith. Miles Jack is that wild card. I don't, we talked about him before, Brian. I don't know how you're going to use him, but he's another one. So if Burrow doesn't have the time to find those guys downfield, that's going to be big for, for you guys. If we can somehow, if that offensive line, if, the, if all that money actually works out on that side and we have a little bit of time, then it's going to work out for us in this game. When we look at the wide receivers on the other side of the, the coin, when you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receivers, I think I really shocked you on that podcast when I told you to look out for these wide receivers. What do you see from them? And how can the Bengals cover them? Because I know you mentioned Deontay Johnson, but there's some firepower as well. 100%. Now, we're all going to figure out what George Pickens really is. You know, we, he had a great preseason. Everyone's saying that he's going to be one of the best receivers out of this draft. He's a relative of Carl Pickens from the Bengals. I don't know how much that matters. But you're going to see him versus your old friend Mike Hilton in the slot. And Hilton's a lot smaller than Pickens, so this could be a, a game for Pickens to really exploit his strength against Mike Hilton. And then when you have, you're going to have Claypool versus Eli Apple. So love or hate Eli Apple, you know, if you're a Bengal fan who watched him all year, you saw him progress and, and do very well. And of course, he had a rough time in the Super Bowl against Cooper Cup. A couple of those routes were, in my opinion, indefensible by anybody. But you're going to, you know, if if you're a Steeler fan, you're listening. It's, it's going to be Apple on Claypool a lot. So if you like that matchup. That's all that also works out big for Pittsburgh. And I think obviously you're going to use Boykin a little bit in this game, too. But I think that the, the real big person for us to worry about, aside from Najee, is going to be Fryermuth. And it, it, teams have a rough time finding a solution to a tight end. And I don't know if we're going to have Dax Hill, our first round draft pick, cover him. Trey Flowers was a guy who covered tight ends last year or Logan Wilson as a middle linebacker covering tight ends but on my podcast i talked about it the best advice is don't put a tight end on Fryermuth because he's going to eat you alive especially Trubis trubisky with a new offense you know that tight end is like a safety net so in this game i'm fearing Fryermuth having a big game and i'm also fearing trubisky scrambling oh Bengals having third and 13 due to a hendrickson sack we got him and all of a sudden we watch trubisky scramble like 16 yards downfield I don't know. It just in a synopsis of everything I'm worried about when you guys are on offense, that would be it. You know, one thing, uh, unless something has changed, they're going to use Claypool out of the slot uh, a lot this year. Uh, Fire Muth, some, and a lot of Claypool. As you know, Deontay Johnson is an X receiver. He's outside. He can't, he's not physical enough for inside. They could try Pickens in the slot some, but. He looks like he's going to be uh, the Z receiver. Oh, so okay. I think you're going to see a lot. It, the matchup would be more uh, Pickens, Pickens against Apple and Hilton trying to cover Claypool, which is a huge advantage for Claypool just based on size alone. Uh, now, Hilton, you know, we we think the world of Hilton here in, in Pittsburgh because, oh, yeah. you know, he's a, a classic overachiever. But his biggest weakness is coverage when he's having to deal with size because guys just take it off the top of his helmet. You know, the, the Patriots used to eat him alive with big, you know, whether it be Gronk or a tight end. So, uh, so I'm thinking that that could be an advantageous matchup for Claypool. 
but I agree with you that I think Fryermuth could could really do some damage play action, working the seams in the middle, something that the Steelers haven't done for a few years. So hopefully Trubisky can take advantage of that. How do you – is Wilson totally healthy? I thought I read something where he's banged up a little bit. Yeah, he had shoulder surgery, and they kept him out of most of the preseason. So I, I haven't seen any of them, and he's barely practiced. But they're saying that he's going to come to the gate week one. And, Shannon, I stand corrected. I really thought from what – at least what I saw in the preseason game and what I read, I thought they were going to have Pickens in the slot. So I do stand corrected. But, I mean, the same thing goes. Claypool is is a huge receiver, and that's mm. going to be an advantage matchup against Hilton. And now you have Pickens on Apple – Basically, the same arguments, just it's the two mm-hmm. guys are switched. I didn't realize. Let me ask this, Frank. You've got two very good running backs in this game. I mean, I, I would say uh, probably top tier in the AFC. Who's better, Najee Harris or is it Joe Mixon? Man, both teams give those guys so many touches, and that's that doesn't bode well for their long-term future. I don't know. I don't know. You know, Najee's got the young legs and you didn't even see what he's fully capable of because your offensive line was a little suspect last year. And you're probably going to see a little bit of the same this year. Unfortunately, he's not going to totally blossom as he should. It, I mean, obviously I'm going to take Mixon because he's my guy, but I mean, that's you, if you could sell either guy as being better and even Najee in the, in the passing game, I saw him, you know, have some, a lot of success out of the backfield too. So, yeah, all right. To answer the question, Mixon, but if you could argue for either. Very well. So we're going to get ready to wrap things up here soon. Everything that I've heard from you, Frank, here with this with this whole situation with the Steelers, with Cincinnati, having the same problem with the offensive line, having some defensive back. Uh, questions because with like you said with Eli Apple you love him but the Super Bowl it was Cooper Cup though but you still have the fact that these teams are a lot more similar than a lot of people would believe how similar do you feel they are because it used to be in the past that Pittsburgh and Baltimore were so similar now that's really changing would you feel that these two teams in this division are probably the two that that probably mirror each other the most? Yeah, you know, I never thought about it like that, Brian. And yeah, I, I think you're right. They're both good at stopping the run. They both have a good pass rush. They both have multiple receivers that can do damage. They both have bell cow running backs. We have a quarterback with small hands, and apparently you guys have a quarterback <laughs> with small hands. And the safeties, right? I mean, Von Bell and Jesse Bates and uh, Minka and Edmonds. I mean, yeah excellent i never thought about that but yes they are they are very big mirrors of each other i just hope cincinnati has the bigger mirror this year well frank this is the time of the show where we we ask for predictions and this is jeffrey benedict who's not here tonight he always asked every host to go ahead and give a prediction for the weekend and we're going to ask for your assessment of what's going to go down in this game in the queen city all right. I don't know why on my podcast, it was like the hundredth episode. So I was in a real good mood and I was all hopped up and, and, and yeah, you, anyone listening, you're going to want to punch me through the screen, but I said Bengals 37 and 17, but honestly, after I 
after the uh, delirium wore off, I realized that that's probably not the case. And we're probably looking at the difference of like a field goal in this game. You know, maybe like a, I don't know, I maybe like a, a 21-19 or 24-19 Cincinnati. See, I don't want to give you guys too many touchdowns. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Shannon, any final questions? No, just uh, thanks for coming on, Frank. It's been a pleasure and nice to get to meet you. And uh, uh, good luck, you know, this season. Uh, uh, you know, health, good health, and and uh, hopefully we have some good matchups this year, not like last year. Maybe the Steelers will be competitive this year. And and uh, like I said, best of luck to you and yours, especially when you're not playing Pittsburgh. All right, so Frank, it, rave reviews. A lot of people said you're a brave man for coming in in uh, in uh, enemy territory, but there are also rave reviews. They uh, they think you're cooler than most, as they call them, bungle fans. So that's actually oh. <laughs> th- th- that's a badge of honor. Yeah, well, you can the late Myron Cope, you know, gave you the bungle name, and that's never going to go away. But with that being said, thanks so much. This was an absolute blast. You're welcome on any of our shows anytime. I'd be glad to jump in on yours because. It's a lot of fun because there's one thing. There's one thing. We talked about similarities. But when we're talking about Bengals fans and we're talking about Steelers fans, what do they have in common? They both hate Baltimore and they both abhor Cleveland. (laughs) There you go. So for Frank LaPlaca from the unofficial Bengals podcast, make sure you check that out. Really good show. If you want to know more about your enemy, Go ahead and check that out. Frank, where can we find that? Um, it's the unofficial Bengals podcast on any podcast platform. And I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at Cincy Bengals pod. All right. Thanks so much, Frank. We will be sure to check that out for Frank, for Shannon White. My name is Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer here from behind the steel curtain.com. I guess that's as I'm slurring my words. I'm drunk on Steelers and Bengals fever, I guess. (laughs) So GB will be back next week to talk about the Patriots. But right now, all we're talking about is Steelers and Bengals, and it's feeling good. Once again, for Shannon, for Frank, I'm bad. Just when you think you've got all the answers, Shannon White. We keep changing the questions. Take us home. Woo! We will see you next week, my friends. 